Hello, everybody. It is April 26th. This is day 116 of our year-long journey through the Bible, and we are completing week 16 today. Be encouraged. You are making great progress. This is the one-year Bible tour guide. My name is David McAdam, and I hope that I can encourage you to join with me in this healthy spiritual discipline of taking in God's Word each day. There are so many benefits to doing so. Not only do we have the benefit of knowing God's story as it unfolds, but we are gaining spiritual wisdom, revelation, and understanding. Some of you may be familiar with the 2020 vision that we find in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 20. The Apostle Paul highlights his vision for gospel-centered Bible teaching, explaining, quote, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Acts chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. These days I find myself pursuing three distinct goals. Number one, I want to combat the biblical illiteracy in our culture, also do what I can to alleviate the spiritual lethargy, but most importantly, I want people to know the glory of God as revealed in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, and His finished work of redemption. Today we are in the Old Testament book of Judges, and we are seeing the spiritual demise that results when people do what is right in their own eyes rather than being obedient to the Word of God. In the first five chapters, we've witnessed four cycles of spiritual declension and then a calling out to God and his response in raising up a deliverer, a tribal leader or judge. Every time a judge died, however, Israel would go astray again. There are 15 judges in the Bible, including Eli and Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel, 14 men and one woman, Deborah. Some lists number 17 judges if you include Samuel's two wayward sons, Joel and Abijah. They are listed as judges in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 2, but certainly did not act worthily. Today we will read of the fifth cycle of recovery, the fifth judge whose name is Gideon. We pick up our story in Judges chapter 6. Once again, the spiritual decline leads to the people of God being oppressed by an enemy. So let's begin by reading our Old Testament portion today, Judges chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, 
I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. The Call of Gideon Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and the broth he put in a pot, and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes, and put them on this rock, and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull, and the second bull seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold there, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called 
Jerub Baal, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please, let me test just once more with the fleece. Please, let it be dry on the fleece only, and on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. This is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Judges. Let's take a moment to review the context. Seven times in the book of Judges we come across this indictment, quote, The sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, end quote. Judges chapter 2, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 12, chapter 4, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1, chapter 10, verse 6, and chapter 13, verse 1. What evil did they do? They were turned aside by their strong desires to serve idols. Let me give you a description of the sin cycle. Chapter 2 gave us a summary of the cycles of failures and deliverance to come. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 23. They do evil in the sight of the Lord, turning to sin and self-reliance. In verse 11, they covet and give in to the culture's idolatries, forgetting the Lord. In verse 12, they serve counterfeit gods. In verse 13, they fall into trouble, defeat, and enslavement. In verse 14, they experience distress and sometimes cry out to the Lord. In verse 15, the Lord raises up judges or saviors to deliver them. In verse 16, and they are delivered in verse 18. However, when the judge dies, the nation returns to its former sins and becomes more corrupt in its behaviors. In verse 19, the book of Judges not only demonstrates that we need a Savior to save us from our individual sins, but we need a Savior to keep us saved, to save us from the sin cycle. We need the gift of a holy life. Moral reform and religious revival do not deal with the root problem. We need a Savior who will save us to the uttermost. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. This is the kind of Savior we have in Jesus. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. In Judges chapters 1 through 5, we read of the first four deliverances. Number one, the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord by serving the Baals and the Ashtroth. In chapter 3, verse 7, they were then delivered to the king of Mesopotamia, Cushan Rishathaim, for eight years. When they cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up the judge Othniel. Chapter 3, verse 9. Secondly, 
the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord again and were delivered to Eglon of Moab for eighteen years. The Lord raised up Ehud to deliver them. In chapter 3, verse 12. Number 3. We have a brief mention of Shamgar being raised up after Ehud to deliver them from the Philistines in chapter 3, verse 31. Number 4. Once again, the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, and the commander of his army, Sisera, who oppressed them severely for twenty years. The Lord then raised up Deborah and Barak as their deliverers, in chapter 4, verse 1. Now in chapter 6, we read of the fifth deliverance. The sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, chapter 6, verse 1, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The Midianites brought them very low and devastated the land. The people once again cried out to the Lord, in verse 7, and the Lord raised up Gideon, in verse 12. The Midianites terrorize the Israelites and devastate their crops. We read in chapter 6, verse 2, The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. The Midianites proved to be bullies. They seize the livestock, exploit their grazing fields, sabotage their crops, and humiliate the Israelites in whatever way they can. When the Israelites cried out to God for deliverance, the Lord sent a prophet to remind them that if they had properly feared him, there would be no need for them to fear the gods of the Amorites, but they had been disobedient. Gideon's call to be Israel's deliverer is quite humorous. Because of Gideon's fear of the enemy and his desire not to be seen by them, he threshes wheat in a wine press. The threshing of wheat was often done on the top of a hill. There the wind would blow the lighter chaff away from the heavier kernel when it was tossed into the air. But Gideon was afraid that he would be visible to the enemy on a hilltop. Instead, he chose to thresh his wheat in a pit that was used for a wine press. Whereas he was less likely to be seen by the enemy in this unusual spot, he was less likely to be productive in threshing grain. How often fear clouds our thinking like this. The God of all grace addresses this very insecure man as if he were a courageous hero. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12. How does Gideon respond to this gracious appellation? He complains, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Judges chapter 6, verse 13. We often moan, If God is so good, why do I suffer? The fact that God's people had been disobedient, turned to idols, and forsaken him did not seem to cross Gideon's mind, although a prophet had just explained this to the people of Israel in verse 10. The Lord does not reprimand Gideon. Instead, he commissions him. In verse 14, Gideon, like Moses being called by God from the burning bush, makes excuses. How can he be useful to God? He's the youngest in his family, and his family is the smallest in the tribe of Manasseh. We see a pattern in God's choice of human instruments throughout the Bible. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world, and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27-28 through 28. The Lord dodges Gideon's excuses and promises him victory, saying, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. 
Judges chapter 6, verse 16. Here we have a prophetic picture of the instrumentality of a corporate vessel, the people of God, acting as one. This is applicable to the church, as Scripture calls it, one new man, the body of Christ, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Gideon continues to waffle in unbelief. He asks for a sign. He asks the Lord to stay there until he prepares an offering to put upon a rock as an altar. The Lord supernaturally affirmed his offering by causing a fire to spring up and consume it. The angel of the Lord suddenly disappears, but the conversation continues. Gideon, after the fact, recognizes that he has been speaking with the angel of the Lord, saying, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Judges chapter 6, verse 23. Again, the Lord graciously comforts and assures Gideon of success, giving him peace. Gideon builds an altar and names it, The Lord is Peace. But Gideon's peace is short-lived. On the same night, the Lord commands him to tear down the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole beside it, and then build an altar on top of this stronghold. He is then to offer a bull on the new altar and burn it with the wood from the Asherah pole. Fear causes Gideon to do it by night rather than by day. In verse 27, When the Israelites arose and saw what had been done, they were outraged. They wanted to kill Gideon. His father, Joash, tries to alleviate their vindictiveness by challenging them to let Baal defend himself, if he can, against this wrong. Gideon is named Jerubbaal, meaning let Baal contend against him. A new scene begins in verse 33. The armies of the Midianites and the Amalekites assemble in the valley of Jezreel. A new beginning occurs for Gideon in verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon, and he becomes the necessary leader, bringing deliverance to the Israelites from the oppression of the Midianites. He is compelled by the Spirit to blow the trumpet. For all who heard it, it was a signal that a battle was imminent. The Lord had given His promise to Gideon that He would provide deliverance from the Midianites, but Gideon was slow to believe it. He needed reassurance. He asked the Lord to give him an outward sign that the victory he had promised would indeed come. He put a fleece on the ground of the threshing floor and asked that if the ground would be dry, the fleece needed to be thoroughly wet. God answered that request. But rather than taking the answer as an assurance, Gideon asked for another sign. He said that he needed further assurance that if on the next evening the earth would be wet with dew or the fleece be thoroughly dry, then he would believe and God graciously answered that request in verse 40. Although there are some who believe that Gideon was unsure that God was going to give them the victory over the Midianites, it is more likely that Gideon's real struggle was to believe that God was going to give the victory through him. What about you? Do you find yourself making excuses when God asks you to do something? Do you put up a fight? Do you put up a lot of hoops for the Lord to jump through to give you assurance? Can you identify with Gideon's slowness to believe that God could use him for his purposes? When we look upon the accounts of those living at the time of the judges, we can recognize that there are many similarities with the spiritual climate of today. We all need a Savior, and in Christ we have the Deliverer who secures peace, not only for a season, but for all eternity. Now let's go to our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22, verses 54 through chapter 23, verse 12. Luke 22, verse 54. Peter denies Jesus. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. 
And when they had kindled a fire near the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Chapter 23 Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. This concludes our reading from the New Testament portion from the Gospel according to Luke. Within hours after claiming loyalty till death, Peter denies knowing Jesus. Peter's example reminds us that we know ourselves so little, and Jesus knows us so well. Jesus has a plan to convert Peter, but first, the cross. When Jesus is brought before the chief priests, he gives a staggering response to their question. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You are right in saying, I am. 
Luke 22, verse 70, in the New International Version. He uses the name that he as God revealed to Moses, I am, when he spoke from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Then Jesus is accused by the priests as he stands before Pilate. When Pilate asks Jesus if he is king of the Jews, Jesus responds, giving Pilate an opportunity to confess it in faith. It is as you say. When Pilate learns that Jesus is a Galilean, he sends Jesus to Herod Antipas. Antipas wants only for Jesus to perform miracles. Jesus refuses to answer Herod's questions. The religious leaders turn to accusing Jesus while Herod and his soldiers mock and ridicule him. They put a royal robe on him and send him back to Pilate. It is haunting to read that Pilate and Herod, who had been enemies, became friends on the day they agreed to do away with Jesus. Soon two opposing theological camps, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, would do the same. Now let's go to the book of Psalms. That's the Bible's songbook and prayer book. Today we'll be reading two Psalms, Psalm 95 and Psalm 96. And reading today's portion from the book of Psalms will be Peter Healy. First, let's read Psalm 95. Let us sing songs of praise. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said, They are the people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Psalm 95 is the first in a series of five psalms about praise and worship. It contains calls to worship and a strong warning. Verses 1 to 5 contain a first call to worship. Rejoice, verses 1 and 2, because you have good reason to, verses 3 to 5. Notice that it is corporate worship that is called for. O come, let us sing, verse 1. Let us come before his presence. Worship is expressed here vocally. Worship is to be a joyful noise. The second call to worship is found in verses 6 through 7. It encourages us to adopt an appropriate posture of bowing and kneeling. Worship is expressed physically. These postures, whether of the heart or the body, suggests great reverence for God. Let us not forget that He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand, in verse 7. Our hearts can easily be hardened, in verses 8-11, through 11, especially if God-glorifying praise is neglected. This is why we are given a warning. Hearts that are hardening 
are hearts that no longer are giving joyful expression of praise. The greatness of God is no longer causing a sense of wonder in the heart. These verses from Psalm 95 are repeated and more fully interpreted in the New Testament book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11 through chapter 4, verse 11. For the warning against an evil heart of unbelief can prevent us from trusting Jesus Christ and enjoying the rest He provides of perfect reconciliation and a conscience at peace with God through His finished work on the cross. Now let's read Psalm 96, Worship in the Splendor of Holiness. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. And now for our reading from the book of Proverbs. The proverb for today, Proverbs 14, verses 5 through 6. A faithful witness does not lie but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Thank you, Peter. Notice the exhortations here. Sing. Create a new song for this moment and this fresh discovery of His grace. Put salvation on display so that not only your words, but your entire life brings glory to His name. There is no other God. The gods of the nations are mere idols. In Psalm 96, verse 5, we have our American idols and our European idols who will soon be forgotten. But the Lord made the heavens. Notice His attributes are worthy of honor, His majesty, His glory, and His strength. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Psalm 96, verse 9. The last thought is sobering, for He is coming to judge the earth. In verse 13. And now for our reading from the book of Proverbs. The proverb for today, Proverbs 14, verses 5 through 6. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Let's be eager to learn and let's be trustworthy with our words and not be a false witness, but witness to the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, you are worthy. 
you are worthy to be praised. We testify to your greatness. We sing it, we shout it, we proclaim your grace. Thank you for providing a deliverer who not only has delivered us, but he does deliver us, will deliver us, and keeps us delivered. We see the fickleness of the human heart as we reflect on these accounts. We see your boundless grace that rescues those who are feeble in faith. You see fearful Gideon as a mighty man of valor, and foot and mouth Peter as a pillar of the church who once converted will strengthen his brothers. Thank you for seeing us as byproducts of your redemptive masterpiece in Christ. Renew our minds with fresh revelations of your mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening and reading and being part of our Bible fellowship community. And we hope that you'll be with us tomorrow as we continue to read through the scriptures. Again, we ask if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And you can also subscribe to receiving a written copy of our daily Bible readings. So that's all for now. May your hearts be at peace with all that has been provided for you in Christ Jesus. Shalom.